Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. Hope everybody is doing well. With the uncertainty in baseball right now, you can't help but get excited about one of the few certain things ahead, which is the draft a week from today. And the MLB draft is going to be an interesting one, right? We, we've talked about it in some of the previous episodes. This is something that has not been seen before, five rounds cut down, and I got a chance to join a virtual Zoom press conference with DJ Sevillic, the head of Marlins Amateur Scouting, and I'm going to talk to you about my takeaways from that conversation with him and how that may apply to this coming draft in a week. Before we get to that, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Give it a go. They sent us some and taste really just like candy bars, except it doesn't actually have all of the bad things that candy bars have. So give it a go. I think you might like it, and you get $10 off the first order. So back to the Marlins now. It was pretty weird, to be honest, but it was refreshing at the same time to be able to talk to DJ Sevillic in any context. It was weird being that it was on Zoom. We had a lot of the Marlins and just South Florida sports media members all in that Zoom conference, and being that I just graduated from college, it was a little bit reminiscent of the Zoom classes online that I had to do, you know, you had Marlins PR, the head of Marlins PR, Jason Latimer, who does a great job running this Zoom conference, and he did a good job, but it's just, you know, it's just, you're running a Zoom conference, it just reminded me of, like, the professor sitting down, trying to make sure everyone can talk, raise your hand, this and that, Um, but, you know, props to the Marlins for adjusting on the fly, giving the media an opportunity to talk to DJ, because he had a ton of good information, a lot of insight as to what they're going to do, what to expect, but obviously not giving away too much at the same time. He treaded very lightly, you could tell, when you started getting into the nitty-gritty of how they're going to approach this draft, but he did give a lot of good information in terms of how they're going to approach a draft where you only have six selections, and then when you go into free agency after the undrafted free agency, that is, you can only offer a player maximum, each player maximum $20,000. You guys probably knew that, but we didn't really get a chance to talk to anybody about how the Marlins plan on approaching that because there's a lot of obstacles that you might not think of just as a fan or even as a writer that you know the Marlins front office has been thinking about for months. And for example, and something that DJ brought up is once the draft is over, the Marlins will have six selections in five rounds if you include the compensation round, then it's a free-for-all, right? And yeah, it's always a free-for-all, but when there's 40 rounds of picks, there's not that much demand for some of the undrafted players. I'm sure there's a few that a bunch of teams have on their radar, but if there's a guy you really wanted, you would have taken him with your 39th, 40th pick, and you know he's a part of your organization. So now it's different because a lot of teams only have five picks. Some teams only have four picks, and you're looking at a very narrow opportunity to add to your farm system because you can't bank on being able to sign a certain position in the undrafted area. So where do you allocate your time in those waning hours right after the draft, right? Like do you you have to know who you have the best shot at to try and sign because you all offer the same amount of money. It's not like you can knock somebody's socks off with a big offer on a signing bonus when they're undrafted. 
you're going to have to sell them on some of the intangibles and some of the organizational structural things, which is what DJ talked about a lot. And that was the really encouraging thing that I got from that, because you think about player development in general in the previous regime, that was something that was definitely not as focused on to be diplomatic as it is now with the Marlins organization. So now the Marlins hire Gary Denbo and they've been putting a lot more focus into player development and Denbo has been overseeing that entire department. And we've seen it pay dividends. And of course the Marlins had to unload a lot of talent to refill the Marlins farm system, but we've seen a lot of players like Edward Cabrera and Gerard Encarnacion and some of these other players that were not blue chippers out of the gate make strides, and that's because of an increased focus on player development. That is something that you have to hope that some of these college kids will see. You know, it's easy for us to see when we're watching the team a lot. If you're a fan, you're a writer, you're in the organization, you know what your team is doing because you watch it closely. And and the change is very tangible in, in that regard, right? Like we've seen how different the focus is with this regime on player development. But will those college players see that? Will their agents see that? And you'd like to think the answer is yes, but that's going to be something we're going to have to find out and see. The Marlins do have six selections, like I said, and and DJ said he thinks that they will most definitely have a huge influx of talent, impactful, six impactful players that will affect the farm system right away. I mean, when you pick at number three, no matter who you get out of Asa Lacey, uh, Austin Martin, or Spencer Torkelson, while most think it might be Lacey, there's some rumblings that Nick Gonzalez might catapult up to two as the Orioles use a strategy to underslot that second spot, which could mean Martin slides down and the Marlins go back-to-back Vandy picks, which is something I'll get into later about DJ Savilic's connection to Vandy and how that might impact this draft for the Marlins. But the thing is with that, the second, third, fourth, fifth picks, you got to hit them. You got to do well because you can't bail yourself out in the sixth, seventh, eighth round with some overslots of high school players. You know, a, a guy who came up in this press conference was Chris Machma because the Marlins were able to overslot Machma in a later round when the Marlins thought that they could sign him. Maybe other teams didn't think they could sign him. He wasn't a 13th round talent, but once he fell out of that range where teams figured he wouldn't be signable, they gave up on trying to sign him. The Marlins were able to allocate that bonus money and get a high ceiling, higher floor even for a high school arm. Just to put it in a nutshell, a much more talented than a 13th round pick type of player because they were able to allocate their funds as such. You can do that in these five rounds, but there's just not as much room to work with here. And that's why it's going to be very interesting to see how it's navigated. And I had a chance to ask DJ, I asked him, you know, how are you going to approach that with the six picks? It's totally different. And there's a little bit of an added pressure. And, you know, he he didn't deny it. He, He said that this is definitely different. This is definitely going to be something that they take a lot of pride in, though. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. He used the term, and I have air quotes up here, of trading up or down the board. And that's exactly what I was talking about with the signing bonuses, right? You allocate more of a signing bonus, like a a larger signing bonus to a player in a later round, that 
will give you an opportunity to quote unquote trade up the board. Uh, and that you could also do the other way too. That's something the Marlins could do. We'll see. Uh, he said it's a lot deeper than just best player available. And while teams usually just say that to not tip their hand, they'll always say best player available. I remember DJ said that last year, you know, we're just going to go with the best player available and it's not going to be need based. You know, how much of that do I believe? I don't know, but I do believe that best player available does play a factor in a lot of the time, but DJ didn't hide here. He said it is much deeper than best player available this year. It's draft what you know. And that's what he said. Draft what you know. And he specified too. He said, quote, that is not to be confused with drafting safe. It's that you draft what you know. And to me, I I do think there's a difference between drafting what you know and drafting safe. But there is a little bit of an overlap there, right? Because he did reference Peyton Burdick in the idea of drafting what you know and, and players being affected by a shortened or almost no spring baseball. His thoughts on Burdick and how a player like that may have been impacted in a draft this year were fascinating, and I will get to that on the other side of the break. I told you earlier how Built Bars taste like a candy bar, but let me tell you about how healthy they are. They're actually great for a health-conscious guy. They're good if you're trying to lose weight or maintain weight while still eating something that tastes good, right? I mean, why do all things that taste good end up being bad for you? Built Bar is one of the few exceptions to that. There's plenty of different flavors. My personal favorite is peanut butter brownie. You get 20 grams of protein. I always eat it after my workout. Only 107 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 net carbs. You're looking at something that's a great snack, and we can get you $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com by using the promo code LOCKEDON, one word, locked on. You'll get $10 off. That's all you need to do. Just put that promo code right in at BuiltBar.com, and right now it'll just get shipped to your door. I mean, what's better than that? I don't want to go to the supermarket right now. I'm looking for good snacks. There you go. It's super easy. You got them right at your door, and you can try so many different flavors and see what you like. So that's BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. So going back to the conversation with DJ Savilic. Why did he talk about draft what you know, and how does that pertain to a guy like Peyton Burdick? The Marlins were in on Burdick well before the spring that he had at Wright State, where he just put up video game numbers right before the draft. But there's something worth noting here, and it was something that he had pointed out as well, is Burdick had holes in his game, right? We knew that. He he didn't play against a ton of high-level competition. He was okay in the Cape, went through a few really long slumps in the cape but did also showcase the power and the tools that are just way off the charts but again the the problem with not having a spring is imagine Peyton Burdick now he doesn't get a chance to show you what he is or what he isn't right if we're worried about him not making enough consistent contact against higher level pitching now he doesn't get a chance to show you that. Or if you think you ha- he is not capable of something, you know, he's not capable of hitting for average or he's not capable of hitting for consistent power, whatever it may be, he doesn't get a chance to show you that in the spring. Think about how many players this spring could have really burst onto the scene or reinforced what they were just starting to show and don't get a chance to. And Peyton Burdick is a perfect candidate for that type of example. And it's really something that is a little bit 
frustrating in a way, I guess, because you're frustrated for those players. You're frustrated that, you know, you don't get to see maybe the top talent go where they're supposed to go. And it really does change things. But at the same time, it does give teams an opportunity to find a diamond in the rough, right? Some of these guys, maybe Peyton Burdick doesn't even get drafted if it's five rounds last year and there was no spring, right? And the Marlins end up scooping him up for $20,000 because they were in on him for a longer period of time and he felt more allegiance to them and that he will be given more of a chance there because at the end of the day, like we said, only, all the teams can only offer $20,000. This is a hypothetical. Maybe a team would have snatched up Burdick in the fourth or fifth round. You don't know. But it's an example of the fact that you could have an opportunity now to make your six selections and then scoop up one of those guys you were in on that you didn't have a chance to really reaffirm some of the convictions you were hoping to have, right? And, and to feel fully comfortable in using a selection on that guy because he didn't get to show you what he is or what he isn't. And that's going to come at a risk, right? But if you're signing this guy for $20,000 as an undrafted free agent, there is no risk. That's where it's going to be interesting to see where and what teams can really set themselves apart. As I try to put myself in those players' shoes, from a lot of my friends that I've had drafted, people that I know that I've seen go through the process, players that I've talked to that weren't those blue chippers that knew they were going to be a first round pick and were just excited for the opportunity. Those are the guys that are just going to be happy to be able to sign a contract, right? Even if they know that they are going to have a choice because they're good players, they're not going to be just holding out for their dream team. Like I grew up a Yankees fan, so I'm going to sign with the Yankees. I don't think any player in their right mind is going to do that, right? It's going to be about the opportunity. If you have the chance to pick a team, maybe I'm overthinking it. You know, I, I like to think that you, you worry about yourself, but are you going to sign with a team that just drafted two catchers in the first five rounds? I don't know if I would. You know, if I'm a catcher, I don't know if I would do that. You know, those are the things that, that factor into it, right? Or if you're looking at a team that has clearly put a lot into their player development. But the thing is, and DJ also pointed this out, every team has the highest technology. Every team has the scouting directors with pedigree and the coaches with pedigree and this and that. You know, that's always going to be a commonality across all teams, right? No matter if you're the Marlins or the Yankees, all of them have the most streamlined technology because this is the major leagues, right? This is major league baseball. So it's, it's about opportunity and showing these players that you can offer them something that other organizations may not. And a lot of time that's just going to be attention. That's going to be, like I just said, opportunity or some of the other things that, you know, you can't really show them. You're just going to have to convince and relationships are going to play a big factor in that as well. And that's where DJ Savilic's connection to Vanderbilt becomes pretty interesting because this is beyond just Austin Martin, right? I mean, Austin Martin is a Boris client, and for him, it seems like it's just going to be meeting whatever number that he won't give right now, and that's really about money. That's a whole different story, even though maybe Austin Martin might be more willing to have a little give with a guy that he's familiar with like DJ Savilic. But I'm thinking more like the other players at Vanderbilt. There's more than just Austin Martin who will be drafted in this 2020 MLB draft. You've got Hugh Fisher, who's a left-handed pitcher that runs it up to the mid-90s. You've got Jake Eater, another left-handed pitcher who runs it up to the mid-90s. Both of them 
are very, very impressive arms that are just still a little bit raw and not totally convincing as starters right now. And that's why you're not looking at these guys as probably day one. They might be more day two. But either of those two southpaws could be an example of the Marlins drafting what they know because DJ Savillic will be able to get more information on some of those Vanderbilt players being that he still has connections there. But there's a few other arms, um, the name's slipping my mind right now, but a couple power right-handers too that are fringe type of bubble guys that could end up going undrafted. That is where the relationship could come into effect too, right? Uh, he can sell them on a good opportunity, a personal conversation with them. It's going to come down to a lot of these Zoom conferences that they had in the past with some of these bubble guys that they had to convince them that you know they're a good fit for their organization. And hopefully that Vanderbilt connection might come into play with some of the undrafted free agents. And we will see how that goes moving forward. It will be interesting to see how any of that leverage, any of those relationships can can help the Marlins in this situation. And that's really what it's going to come down to with all teams really forced to offer the same thing. The last thing that DJ talked about, which I thought was really interesting, was just the challenges of draft day alone, right? They were going through a mock draft, not for the picks, right? Not to go through who's going to get selected and how they react. It was for just the technology of it. Because as teams are rapidly making selections, as you get out of the first day, it becomes two minutes for each pick, right? And they're coming off the board quickly, quickly, quickly. And as that's happening, you're going to have to adjust your draft board accordingly. Because if someone you had on your draft board is selected, you got to move them off and, you know, adjust from there now. And the way DJ said it was, it basically gives them about 15 minutes to figure things out because you're only going to know who's going to be on the board when, there's about a few picks before you, right? Because you can't really predict how the next 30 picks are going to go. And they need to contact area scouts from different time zones, all different areas. They have to have everybody set up, ready to go on Microsoft Teams, Zoom, whatever it is, to be able to talk to one of these area scouts in California, Oregon, New York, wherever they may be, in Texas, who knows? And that's the crazy thing about this too, is baseball is just so complex with the amount of players that are scouted compared to other sports. The amount of scouts that you have, different people that have an impact on your information on each of these players, right? You can't just be a GM or the head of amateur scouting and go from college to college, high school to high school. You just, you don't have that much time. There's only so much time in the day. And that's why you have scouts. That's why you have regional scouts and area scouts and all of those things. And they're going to need to be available when DJ or whoever it is might kill anybody is going to say, should we take this guy, you know, at this pick? And I know they're going to have their designations and everything like that, but things are always changing. And it's going to be really, really fun to watch because we're not going to be on the stressful side of it, but I can imagine that it's going to be hectic for all teams involved. It's an even playing field, but the NFL draft kind of served as a tester, you know, a guinea pig for this virtual MLB draft. Just the only difference is the MLB draft is just a lot more comprehensive in terms of how many players are on the board, high school versus college, and all of the different factors that come into play. And it's going to be fun to see how this all unfolds. I really enjoyed the conversation with DJ. I actually just put an article out on Fish Stripes that you can check out 
uh, more specific detail on the quotes and information from the conversation the other day. But we are geared up now for this draft. It's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. We'll see if I might do one more little episode leading into the draft, or I might just wait till after. But look out on my Twitter for a full first round mock draft I will be putting out very soon. I have a lot of information that I'm excited to put out there and some interesting takes on how I think this draft might unfold because at the end of the day, this is as unpredictable as it's going to get based on the limited scouting. We saw it in the NFL draft. Really, it was just tough to know what was going to happen. And without a combine in the NFL draft and now without a full season in the spring, it's kind of similar in that regard. And we could see some players going way higher than we thought or way later than we thought. And it's going to be fun to watch. I don't plan on getting up from my couch for any of the rounds. I plan to be locked in the whole time. I hope you guys are excited and as excited as I am. If not, I will recap it for you after the draft here on Locked on Marlins. As always, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all very soon.